This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Welcome to our program this week. Always a delight to talk with you and open the word together. And I'm excited about this program to come today, Michael. Yeah, we have a couple of great friends, and I'm looking forward to talking to them as well. Dr. George Grant will join us here in just a moment. Later, we are going to bring a fellow musician on the program. I say fellow musician for your benefit, not mm-hmm. for mine. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I take that as a, as a compliment. Uh, Pat Flynn, uh, who is uh, the guitarist for Newgrass Revival for 10 years, is going to be with us. Yeah, I see how Pat has come in with his guitar, and I'm not quite sure what's going to happen, but something good is about to happen in the second half of the program Well, that's the fun today. part. We don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> okay. I don't usually do this, Michael, but allow me, if you will, to open with a listener comment here at the start of our program this week. This listener says, I simply want to tell you, I am so taken by your radio program. Each time I'm able to tune you in, the sound of your voice draws me to the desire of the Lord. I'm sure that is his reminder to me that I am lacking in my devotion to him. Your mild manner, sound to your voice, and your passion to learn and teach about the Bible is quite evident. Mm-hmm. And a simple thank you is what this listener says. I, I really appreciated that. And, and w- what I would encourage the, the the person that wrote the email is to to not focus so much that their devotion is lacking, but I think to see that God, mm-hmm. you know, cherishes the kind yeah. of heart that would write uh, that sort of encouragement. And he's calling them to deeper study and a deeper Absolutely. life, Absolutely. perhaps. Well, this prompts me to ask you, and you, you've you taught us to think uh, carefully about the, even the questions we ask when we study the Bible. What makes for a good question? Well, uh, again, uh, that was something that Dr. Lane uh, used to talk a lot about, uh, that the most important thing is that we learn how to ask the right sorts of questions. Socrates said that there are questions which set the mind turning vainly in circles. Mm. And uh, I know people who specialize in asking yeah. those kinds of questions, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, we try to interact with our imaginations and uh, and follow with the text. I think the text calls forth mm-hmm. the right kinds of mm-hmm. questions. So we listen to the text, and I think we'll come up with the, the better questions. And we're richer for the uh, good questions question experience. Well, anyone who wants to respond to our program, I'll give the email address now. Mm-hmm. It's in the studio at michaelcard.com. We'd love to hear from you. In the studio at michaelcard.com or on the web simply michaelcard.com is our website for much more information. Well, Dr. George Grant has joined us. Uh, George, we're going to ask Michael to sing for us here in just a moment, but welcome back to the studio with us. Well, thank you. It's always always a pleasure. Uh, what about that that question uh, comment that Michael had a moment ago? You must resonate with that. Well, I, I do. I I love great questions. Mm-hmm. And as, as Mike has said, I, I think that the best questions are ones that go back to the text and say, mm-hmm. what's going on here? What, what, what's the background? Who, who's talking here? Why, mm-hmm. why are they reacting the way they do? I think a lot of times the vain sorts of questions are ones that we kind of just grab out of the air. Mm-hmm. But great questions are always driving us back to the text, yeah. asking those deep questions. Why is this here? Why do I need to understand this? What is going on? Th- those make for great questions. Mm-hmm. Well, George, just before we ask Michael to sing, let's talk about what we are going to talk about on the program with you today. I think one of the things that we discover in our own Christian lives, and it's certainly true when we read the Gospels, is that Jesus is not quite what most of us expect him Mm. to be. He's not the kind of king. He's not the kind of Messiah that most of us want. And certainly, he was not the kind of king and the kind of Messiah that the Jews wanted. Mm -hmm. Well, we look forward to talking with both of you men about these things today. But let's ask Michael to sing a song from his new CD called A Fragile Stone. This is a project you've prayed for, George. I I have. This has been a long time brewing, I think, in in Michael's life and and ministry. It it really grows out of the mentoring relationship that, uh, that Bill Lane had with with Mike for years, and so I'm I'm very excited that this project is just about to hit the stores. Yeah, but, but George is also a person who uh, will make himself available to sit and answer questions mm-hmm. or to talk about issues. And in this case, in Peter's life, uh, we had a couple of very good discussions. I think that that songs came out of. All right, the song we're going to hear in the studio, the studio version of it here today, is called "Not That Kind of King." Here's Michael Card. salvation brings Oh, but Jesus, you're not that kind of king 
show your glory in Jerusalem. It's what the crowds are clamoring. But Jesus is not that kind of king. He has come to suffer and he has come to die. Crucified in weakness and you say a thing because you see he's not that kind of king he has come to suffer and he has come to die crucified in weakness and you may wonder why though he could call the angels he will not say a thing because you see he's not that kind of king You know, in Matthew chapter 16, we, we have this same theme brought to the forefront in, in Peter's life. It says, uh, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day, be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, mm. saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance Mm. to me. And so Peter is reflecting at least one of the common misconceptions about what the Messiah would be. He would never suffer. All of those suffering servant passage of the Lord, the Pharisees applied to themselves. They were the suffering servant. Yeah, it's it's amazing how selective we are when it comes to looking at what the scriptures say Mm. the Messiah is. We, we kind of want to tailor make our Messiah for ourselves, our own expectations, our own desires. Let me stop you there, George, because you're saying we. We usually think of it as they. They expected a different kind of Messiah. Yeah, they, they did. And certainly we can look at the time of Jesus and we see that the Pharisees, who are known in their day as the Messiah, party. They yearned for the coming of the Messiah. They prayed for it. Mm -hmm. They cried out for it. In in the same way, the the Essenes and the Zealots were looking for a Messiah, but 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 they were all looking for a slightly different Messiah, and the same is true about us. That's interesting. The Pharisees said, he who, when he prays, does not pray for the coming of the Messiah, has not prayed at all. And what's a real rebuke to me about that is I see so much of the Pharisees in me. Mm. I yearn for the appearance of Christ in my life. I want Christ to work in my life, but I've already kind of pre-selected. I've already got these expectations about what that will look like. Mm. And the fact is, is that uh, the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah that appear all throughout the Old Testament prepare us for the disappointment that we will have Hmm. when the true king comes. Uh, For instance, one of my favorite passages is in um, the last of the minor prophets, Malachi. Mm -hmm. And in Malachi chapter three, it says, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts, but who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears, for he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap, and he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Hmm. Now, here's the catch. We want Jesus to come and clear away our enemies. (laughs) We want him to clear away the obstacles in our lives, but this bit about refining us... Hmm. That, that's a catch. Uh, the whole thing for Peter was, uh, we want Jesus to come and, and be a reigning king. This business about dying, suffering, mm-hmm. paying the penalty for our sins, <laughs> we're not so sure about that. Mm-hmm. 
I think that the moment I see in Peter's life when it all sort of came crashing down was in Gethsemane. He's there with his sword. He's ready to fight with his king. He looks over his shoulder. Jesus is allowing himself to be bound and taken away. And I think that's a point when Peter said, I don't know this man. Right. I was looking for the king and this is not him. That must have been a difficult time. But what you're saying is that that happens again and again. Yeah, the very messianic prophecies that they looked back to mm-hmm. prophesied their own doubt and the failure of their expectations. Mm. The reality is, is that we want a Jesus of our own making. We don't want a Jesus we must follow. Mm-hmm. We don't want a Jesus that will lead us to repentance, to purification. We don't want a Jesus who will suffer and die because we fear that that may mean that we will have to take a path of suffering and death as well. We don't want a Jesus who tells us to love our enemies. We don't. We want a Jesus that will come and conquer our enemies. Mm -hmm. Part of this message that really is a rebuke to me is I see Peter in myself. Mm -hmm. I I see the Pharisees in myself. I I oftentimes see when when the activist me kind of gets uh, riled up at Mm -hmm. current events, I, I, I see the zealots. In, in me. Mm-hmm. Because what I really want is for Jesus to come in like the, um, the knight in shining armor, the hero on the white horse. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want the suffering servant. I don't want the servant who comes and undrapes himself and then washes the feet of the disciples. And I don't like the implications of that kind of Messiah for my own walk. Uh, it, it truly means a walk of holiness and humility and and grace. And uh, sometimes what I really want is a sword, just mm-hmm, like Peter. Mm-hmm. So, George, I think we have a pretty good idea of of what's wrong about our expectations. I mean, we want comfort. We want uh, a picnic on a green lawn. We want a conquering king. So outline what we got. <laughs> Well, you know, the Malachi passage tells us that mm-hmm. uh, that the appearance of the Messiah will be, first of all, an appearance in the temple. Unexpected. And it's it's uh, suddenly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, he appears and he, he beckons the people to come to worship, uh, literally to fall on their face before the Lord God on high. In, in other words, he, he calls us to a renewed fear of Almighty God and a recognition of his holiness and his presence. Mm-hmm. Jesus comes and um, he, he doesn't come to just uh, smite the enemies and make all things right and make our way easy. He, he calls us to a new realization of who the Father is mm-hmm. and what the Father is. The second thing that the Malachi passage tells us is that he comes as a messenger of the covenant. There is is an agreement that God has unilaterally made with his called people. And uh, and Jesus comes declaring that covenant. There are a couple of things about covenant that oftentimes we forget. One is that God makes covenant with a people, not with individual persons, Mm -hmm. which means that Jesus comes to reconcile those who don't want to be reconciled. He comes to make community. Mm -hmm. He comes to build bridges between um, warring camps. He comes to, to pull people together, and we desperately want to avoid that. Mm -hmm. Certainly the zealots and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes of Christ's own day wanted to avoid that. Mm -hmm. So, So here comes the one who will bring a fear of God, in true worship. Here comes one who will uh, be a messenger of the covenant, binding the wounds and the divisions together. And here comes one who will make all things right by refining the gold and silver and by scrubbing down with the fuller's soap uh, the, the filthiness of a people. This is offensive business. Mm-hmm. Jesus was an offense. He was a stumbling block, and he still is. Mm -hmm. He didn't come and take the throne. He came down off the pedestal of the throne that they would have put him on, and he washed feet. He uh, he, uh, made meals with his wrecked hands, John 21. He um, 
he failed to meet their expectations. Even his own family, uh, they at one point right think he's out of his mind because yeah. he's so given to his ministry that he and hasn't taken time. The culmination of this glorious work is to be humiliated. Yeah. to suffer, to be made a public spectacle mm-hmm. in the whole city of Jerusalem, and and then to die an awful, torturous death. Mm-hmm. I had a woman at a con- after a concert one time tell me, and I was asking her about Peter. She said, Peter thought the Messiah would never submit, he would never serve, and he would never suffer. And in a matter of a few hours, Jesus had done all those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what's interesting is uh, we want a Messiah who doesn't submit, and, uh, and 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 doesn't suffer, because we don't want to submit. Okay, but here's the problem, George. In 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 our enculturated Christianity, in American Christianity, we have constructed our own version of uh, the same sort of uh, erroneous Messiah that Peter and all the rest were looking for. So, how do we go about? separating the the true Jesus of the gospel from this enculturated one that is so tightly woven into you know our our religion i mean how do you do that i mean i i know jesus is the jesus who breaks those sort of molds but then how do we start about that process well i think the malachi passage steers us in that direction in, in two ways first of all it affirms the fact that we do desire a Messiah. All of our expectations aren't dashed by the mm-hmm. Messiah. We do desire a Messiah. In fact, the Malachi passage says this, this Messiah that you cannot bear and that you cannot endure is the one that you delight in. Mm. So the first thing that we see here is that there is a delight, a, a yearning for this true Messiah that God plants in our hearts. Yeah. And, and a part of the pursuit of the true Jesus is to follow that delight. So God has created in us a hunger for a servant Savior, Absolutely. a servant Messiah. It, it is there. So it's, yeah. this is not just entirely contrary because this is woven into the fabric of reality. Mm-hmm. Part of the problem is, is that, as John Calvin always used to say, we're purblind. We, we've taken off the spectacles of truth, and, and we're now measuring things according to our own culture rather than mm-hmm. from Scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the second thing about the Malachi passage is that it, it reminds us that this is the fulfillment of all that God has said. Mm-hmm. From time immemorial, the fulfillment of the covenant has arrived. Mm-hmm. And, and it's different from what we might expect. Mm-hmm. And I've just been sitting here this whole discussion thinking to myself, how sobering that we can stand in the way of that happening. Now, it's going to happen regardless of, of little us, but there is a sense in which we thwart that in happening in people's lives, isn't there? The yes. real Jesus? Oh, I think so, by the communication of all of these false expectations. Yeah, see, that's what's so frightening. Mm-hmm. Because we're called upon to reflect a genuine image of who the Messiah really is in our forgiveness of others, in our crossing over the of the bridge, in our forgiving of our enemies, uh, in our washing of each other's feet the way Jesus washes our feet. Which are all steps of repentance. Mm-hmm. And that really is the heart and the soul of this passage. Mm-hmm. Jesus calls us to come to the end of ourselves, mm-hmm. our ideas, our expectations, our hopes, our dreams, come to the end of that, mm-hmm. relinquish it, and and simply submit to follow who he actually is mm-hmm. rather than who we want him to be. So in faith, we look to this new reality, this new kingdom. Um, I, the other thing from Peter's life that 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 uh, is so clear to me is that he he continually looks at reality. He looks at uh, sinking in the water. I mean, gravity. <laughs> he he smells the smell coming from Lazarus's tomb, and uh, continually Jesus calls him to look beyond that mm-hmm. to a new reality where where people do come walking out of tombs and where people do walk on the water. Right and where people are given the grace to really forgive their enemies, and people are given uh, the grace to genuinely say no to themselves and serve each other as Jesus served us. Yeah, and that grace is really evident even in the passage that we read at the beginning of, of this time together. You know, it, we have the get behind me Satan passage that's sort of the culmination of it all. Mm-hmm. But it begins with Jesus saying, Simon Barjona, this has not been revealed to you mm-hmm. of men, but of God. In other words, Jesus comes to him even prior to the rebuke and encourages him with grace to see 
aright. And that all begins when Jesus asks all of them, who do people say I am? And they come back with all of these erroneous ideas of who Jesus is. And Peter, totally beyond himself, says, you're the Christ. And, And it's almost as if Jesus is saying, you're on the right track, Peter. You're on the right track. You're almost there. Mm -hmm. But there's still these barriers you've got to break down. Mm -hmm. You you still don't fully know me. Though you delight in me, Mm -hmm. you don't fully know me. So let me define for you what Christ means, and it means suffering. And then Peter stumbles. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Michael, you said earlier that um, we have to overcome the enculturated Jesus. I think even the, the, uh, the term Christian has uh, I mean, I wonder, you, you, we've been using the word follower here. Well, Maybe follower of Christ is a new uh, moniker. Well, for I us. know some uh, 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 Congressman Pitt uh, no longer refers to himself as a Christian when he's overseas He'll, because that has so many negative connotations. He says, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah, and, and, you know, obviously very early on, uh, the Christians in Antioch were known as the people yeah. of the, the way, way. Yeah. Which, which implies a whole lot. It, it, it implies that there is a journey that they are on, that they mm-hmm. are following the master. And, and it's not just a, a set of enculturated norms, but that it is a genuine life of discipleship mm-hmm. and following the master. And it's not a term that brings with it a, a whole host of experience. Uh, sort of images. Oh, yeah, Christian. Oh, I know what that is. Well, guess what? I don't really know what, you know, ultimately, this is a, a mystery, a thing that's beyond me. Uh, this is a, a, a daring sort of adventure that's more than I can even put into words, mm-hmm. or it can't be contained in a term. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. we need to look mm-hmm. for new words. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think that we need to be going uh, politically correct here and right. tossing out particular language. Yeah. But one of the things that I think this whole discussion brings us to is uh, the necessity for all of us to live in light of the reality Mm. of Christ. And when our words, our symbols, our rituals, our cultures, our forms are emptied of the that mm. which gives them genuine meaning. Don't let that happen. And it's time for us to be uh, diligent once again to infuse them of the true meaning. Well said. And as Christians, as mm-hmm. as believers ourselves, mm-hmm. I, I think that this whole discussion calls us back to that place of genuine repentance where we acknowledge, you know, Lord, I do have false expectations, and therefore I relent. I want the real Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, I want the King who has called me to a whole new place mm-hmm. of uh, discipleship and faithfulness. Well, before uh, George leaves the studio here today, we want to spend some time mm-hmm. in prayer about these very things. But mm-hmm. I wonder if we can lead into that prayer time, Michael, with your uh, song, at least the chorus to your song, To Follow You. It just seems to fit here so beautifully. So, Michael, if you'll do that for us. think that that uh, that song really calls us to uh, to bring all of this together and I, I think that the best way that we can do that is just to go before the Lord Amen. Father we come before you and and we acknowledge that um, that oftentimes it is difficult given our expectations to truly leave it all behind and follow you. Mm-hmm. And and yet we know that that is the only way. With Peter, we, we confess, Lord, you're the one who has the words and the way of salvation. And so we set aside our expectations. Mm-hmm. We, we set aside all that baggage that we bring with us and uh, we yield ourselves and we yearn, oh, Lord Jesus, to follow you. Lord, we pray that you would give us the grace to do that very thing, to simply follow you. And Father, I want to repent uh, f- for believing uh, that I 
I understood completely uh, who you were and what you you mean, and and I don't. Uh, I use words that are beyond me, and I I I, I try to put you into a, a comfortable. Uh, definition and box uh, where I can control you. And so please forgive me of that. Uh, Lord Jesus, I ask that you would come and break uh, these expectations that are false in me. And I want to see you, uh, the, the, the true Jesus of the gospel, the true Messiah that was expected, but was at the same time not expected. Uh, I ask you to do that work in me by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you both for a a very rich discussion time here today around the Word. George, just before we leave, I'd like for us to again identify those scriptures that we read today so our listeners can take those and read them uh, over the next few days and think more deeply about these things. Well, the Old Testament passage that we read was from Malachi chapter 3. And the New Testament passage was that wonderful section in Matthew chapter 16. And uh, they're, they're tied together with this common theme um, that, uh, that really is evident in Peter's life. He, uh, he loved Jesus. He wanted so much for, for Jesus to, uh, to come into his own, and yet he was expecting things of Jesus that, uh, that simply were not appropriate to this kind of king. And as we've discussed here today, it's like holding up a mirror, isn't it, Michael? And, yeah. and seeing ourselves in these passages. And it's always a sobering uh, thing to realize that we're making the same mistakes that the 12 made and that Peter made. Mm-hmm. I, I want uh, Jesus with a magic wand to come and wave it and all my problems to go away. And instead, I get the Jesus who enters into my suffering, who comes down off the throne, washes my feet, and enters into my confusion and my suffering with me. Mm-hmm. And, and as George said before, and it was so well said, the de- that really is the desire of my heart. God has created me to want that above everything else. Well, Michael, our thanks to you and to George Grant. You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. We're hoping today's study has stirred up some questions in your mind. Take a moment and send those our way with your comments about the program. Our email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. That's in the studio at michaelcard.com. And if you'd like to hear this complete program or any in the studio broadcast again, then visit the archives and our radio page at michaelcard.com. You'll also find information on how you can obtain a CD copy or transcript of today's studio session along with any of Michael's books or CDs. Coming up, bluegrass guitarist Pat Flynn joins us here on the Moody Broadcasting Network. Ready? Yeah. Uh, Two, three, four. And all God's people said, yeehaw. (laughs) Michael, welcome back in the studio here with a guest. Now, in the time that we've known each other and been on the radio together, you've introduced us to many wonderful friends. But I see a smile on your face today I haven't seen in a while. Is it the bluegrass that brings that out? Well, it's partly that. It's it's a lot of things. It's uh, Pat and I are sort of new friends, and I think I, I enjoy... Uh, the newness of a friendship. We we appreciate a lot of the, the same things. We appreciate good books, and uh, I've appreciated his playing for a long time. Okay, so Pat Flynn was your partner in crime here a moment ago, and yes. you guys just did that. I mean, well, you just did that. And That's a pe- good description for the song, by the way. <laughs> People need to di- differentiate. He was playing the lead. I was playing the uh, rhythm. So, oh, Pat, welcome in well, the studio. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Now, Glad what, to be here. What was that? I mean, I, I we were we were. I think we discovered the language, the music of heaven here a moment ago, but. What was that? Michael and I were, were just talking before we started rolling tape. and uh, I'm sorry, we don't use tape anymore. And <laughs> we talked about an old bluegrass fiddle tune that I originally heard Doc Watson playing, although I know that it, 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 it uh, 
I know that it uh, predates him, but it's called the Black Mountain Rag. And I think, Michael, wasn't it on the Circle Be Unbroken? It album, was. The first oh, one? Yes. That's the first time I heard it. Yeah. yeah. And so we just were goofing around on that song. <laughs> but neither Black one of Mountain you have played that for a long time, have you? I, I haven't. No, I haven't either. Definitely. But you just picked it up and you remember it. It's a, it's a great fiddle song. And for a lot of people like me and maybe for Michael, too, uh, that was an early introduction. That album, The Circle Be Unbroken was an introduction to a whole area of music that uh, hmm. was new. We didn't know anything about that old, the rural roots came from the folk revival, yeah. bluegrass roots, Appalachian music, all that. I actually sang on that record. I was 12 years old. They had one of these deals where, okay, let's get everybody in the studio. On the chorus, the circle being broken? Yeah, yeah, including like the janitor, anybody that was sweeping up. I every, didn't know this. Everybody got to sing on that. You amaze me. Well, I'm they misspell about my you name. all the time. They misspell my name. But How can you misspell actually, cards? Yeah. It's C-A-R-R, but oh, okay. that, that, you know, that's, a whole other, that's a whole other thing. Imagine being 12 years old, having sung on your first record, and they spelled your name wrong. I need to talk to you about being around there. That, those were some very historic sessions. Yeah, well, and, you know, yeah I, I've got pictures. I yeah. took a lot of pictures of those sessions. Um, Mama Mabel Carter, planner. Otto Harp and uh, John McEwen and all those, all my heroes. Well, we want to talk to both of you about all this stuff and more here in the second half of our program today. Uh, Pat Flynn, help us to get to know you. Now, you're with Newgrass Revival. I was with Newgrass Revival for 10 years from about 1980 to about 1990. So the band's not together? True. But I still see CDs out there. Yes. Uh, Capitol Records that we re- did many recordings for. We have a couple of recordings on Sugar Hill, an independent label out of uh, North Carolina. But we signed with Capitol in, in, and did many albums for them, and they are, have been remastered and re-released. There's a Best of Newgrass Revival, and there's also individual albums now out at record stores. So even after all these years, the records are still in print. Uh, there's, a, there's still a following out there. Huh. It's a great sound, uh, isn't know. it, Mike? Yeah. Uh, how do you two know each other, Mike? Well, we hooked up on the last record. Um, your, we, your newest as of our recording here today, right. A Fragile Stone. A Fragile Stone. We, we did a, a bluegrass song, and uh, the guy that was engineering the record, uh, Keith, said, well, we got it. He, he, you knew Keith. Yes, it's, I've worked with Keith Compton. It was one of those typical Nashville, yeah. you know somebody, and so and so we got together. And, and I was so nervous. I mean, yeah, you know, he's, he's going to come and play on my record. He oh, came that's, in. That's oh, it was true. true. No, it was true. And he came in, and he was he was a brother. I was amazed. I, I know, because the two of you act today like you've known each other for years and years yeah, yeah. and years, but it's just yeah. been a few months then, huh? Well, yeah. I wasn't that comfortable. Uh, I Michael Card... Uh, been a particular hero of mine and role model of oh, mine for years. Yeah. Oh, come on. And uh, that's just the way it was. So yeah. it wasn't like uh, just another session for me. So on the, on the new CD of Fragile Stone, you play on, on the song Walking on Water. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. That's the bluegrass song. On yeah. The, on, and then this, the, that album, by the way, that CD, it has just every kind of style of music on it, Michael. Yeah, there's a lot of different things on there. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's uh, get to know Pat a little bit more. What else do you do in life, Pat? Well, when I moved to Nashville, I moved to Nashville to join that band, Newgrass Revival, which was Sam Bush, John Cowan, Bela Fleck, and myself. Uh, the band uh, had gone, goes back to the 70s with different personnel, but Bela and I joined. He came from New York, and I came from Cal- Southern California, and um, my my whole family, by the way, is from Chicago. Is that right? I was born out in California. Okay. And so... Um, so we came to join, join the band. And so we did that for 10 years. Since that time, I make my living as a studio musician. Uh-huh. And I play guitar on people's records here in Nashville. Uh-huh. And been lucky enough to do that for about 10 years. And recently, also songwriting, do a little bit of that. Mm. And, uh, and lately, I've been producing some. So that might be a, uh, an area for the next few years. So that's what I do. Well, before you leave the studio today, we want to talk to you about uh, the role of uh, your Christianity, your, yes. your relationship with Christ on that whole creative process, uh, yeah. Pat. But I understand that you wrote a song that uh, Michael had an unknowing hand in uh, in you putting that together. Yes, I just mentioned that to him today. We were thinking about songs to play on the show, and there was one that popped into my mind that I had written sort of directly under his influence. Um, with a friend of mine named Tim May. And uh, it's just a Michael Card-inspired type of song. <laughs> but, you know, I've been listening to Michael Card for a long, long time and just a great appreciator of his music. I didn't know that Michael was uh, also uh, living a rich life of the mind and being a good theologian as he is, too, see, because then it becomes even more of a role model for me. I've always tried to integrate those two things, and it's not easy to do. Mm-hmm. But aside from being a world-class musician and singer, Michael also, as the show attests to, is a, uh, a great guy to talk to about the issues I of can, the day. I the can see where you history. guys are kindred spirits yeah, in man. more ways than just musically. Yeah. Tell something more about the song, though. Um, the song was a big-picture song that we tried to bring into focus. The big picture is time. Um, there isn't a more precious commodity 
that people have, but they don't know it until they run out of it. Mm. And um, it, it was it was just an attempt to, to tackle that. And we put it in various uh, we put it in various scenarios. It should it be a love song that you uh, you know you're a, lo- a, lo- a love lost, regretted, or ultimately it just became. And it's called Father Time, which mm. could be a metaphor for God. I, it, it's just about that idea of not having any control over time. Mm. Um, even though you strive to do so, and we get or so organized, and we get so we get, we try to put all of our you know papers in the right place, but ultimately it's a force and um, it's a very precious commodity. So Father Time came from from that idea. You know, one of the themes that's reinforced continually on our broadcast is the fact that uh, creativity happens in community. Mm-hmm. I think we've had just another example of that just now. Yeah, I'd love to hear the song. Yeah, can you, we, you got can a little piece of it yeah, there? Yeah, can we you do it? We all right, do it. All right. Um, Take a guitar there. Everything's live here. As we record, we'll put it that way today. Well, we're, we're can, certainly all alive. You can tune this up in post-production, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, one of Michael Song's poema uh, particularly comes to my mind as something I've listened to deeply, you know, the, the fact that we're God's handiwork. Um, you know, one of the things I think God uses to shape is his time. We live in time. We live in God exists, at least we postulate, out, outside of time. And, and uh, what we're constrained by, it. I think it's one of those forces that shapes and molds us. It's part of creation. In bad ways, you yeah. know. Anyway. Uh, like a watch plated in gold and what a time we have learning to let it go how many ways can I fight this feeling the only thing I got is time so how many days will it take till I got peace of mind Father time, oh friend of mine, I'm gonna need your help this time. It's late, I know, I hope you don't mind. Oh, these days I'm losing my way, cause of love I can't replace. Can you heal this heart of mine? the time You could turn back your hands I believe it It's all I want And all I need Is a little while To show you I could redeem it Father time Oh, friend of mine, I'm gonna need your help this time. Well, it's late, I know, I hope you don't mind. All these days, I'm losing my way, cause the love I can't replace. Can you heal this heart of mine, Father Time? many hearts tonight are dying to be, crying to be heard. All over the world tonight, they're waiting for a
these days I'm losing my way Cause of love I can't replace Can you hear this heart of mine? Can you hear this heart of mine? Father time Time heals our, all wounds. They say, yeah. mm. yes, sir. Pat Ultimately. Flynn. Yeah. That's Pat Flynn here in the studio with Thanks, Michael Pat. Card today. Yes, thank you, Pat, for that song. I'll tell you what, there's a couple things we want to talk to you about, yeah. but um, I'm thinking maybe you and Michael ought to sing something together. Okay. What do you think? That'd be great. Should we try that now, it. and then we'll, we'll talk some more? Yeah. All right? Okay. I'll let you guys choose what you want to do, of course. Well, we've already got one. I wrote the words. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're talking about an old, it's an old spiritual um, it's an old black spiritual uh, originally how uh, been through the folk process I don't know how much of the original remains but uh, it's a beautiful song and uh, it's, it's, it's also time related I guess just about passing through uh-huh. we're only passing mm-hmm. through I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger it's oh, called yes. okay I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger Traveling through this world of woe But there's no sickness, no toil or danger In this bright land I go I'm going back to see my
said he'd be there when I come. I'm just going over Jordan. I'm just going over home. I'm just going. I'm just going over Oh, that is nice. Pat Flynn and Michael Card here. Maybe we should just go ahead and burn the CD and put it in stores. What do you think? <laughs> hey, fine with me. <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks, you guys. Thanks, That was great. Thanks, yeah, was thanks very much. Well, Pat, you're a brother in the Lord. Um, how does that relationship with Christ influence what you do as a musician? You know, after all this time, I ought to have a great answer for you, something radio-worthy. <laughs> I, I got to admit that it, uh, it it breaks me a lot. I, I, I struggle with it. I'm still in process about it. Uh, to be real honest with you, I think they're at odds with each other most of the time in my mm. life. I think the impulse and the motivation and what goes into wanting to get on stage and perform and get attention and, and, and all of that stuff is, is antithetical to the motivation to be a servant of Christ, to be a follower, to show the glory of God. I honestly don't do real well at it most of the time. I'm aware of it. He's though. given you that gift, though. I know. You're absolutely right. I mean, that whole, the movie Mozart comes to my mind. Remember when mm-hmm. Salieri just drove himself crazy? Right. Thinking that this could be the vehicle of God? Well, the fact of the matter is Mozart wasn't that good because he practiced 83 more hours than the next guy. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. It comes from God, and we know that. Uh, and yet... There is the music business, and there is the business of making a living and claiming your own niche. And I just just wanted to, I'm just off the top of my head, I'm answering you saying, I'm not real good about that. I would love, as I get older, uh, to be more, continue to be more honest about it and try to ingratiate those, to integrate those two things. Um, I know it can be done. Michael Carr is one of those people I've always looked to to do that. There's many other people, and I'm not saying they don't have struggles, but there is a way to 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 play music, to do art, to be creative, and to ultimately honor the creator. Mm-hmm. And yet I find often in my life they're at odds with each other, and so it's a struggle. Mm. Now, as much as we've talked about it on this radio program, I don't think we've ever talked you know, just so about the struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, we tie them together. Maybe maybe we've tied them together too quickly because I think what you're saying, my heart resonates with too. In, in time, and we're talking about time, in time we're, we're always going to have that struggle. I mean, what, what gift that God has given have we not misused or warped in some way? Mm-hmm. But um, One way you've put it to me through the years is that we are not our gift. Yeah, we are not our gift. And, and and what it it makes me thankful, Pat, that you're struggling, because I know I know a lot of people, especially musicians that that will come in from the secular world, that stop, that give up music altogether. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and maybe they have to. Maybe that's what God's called them to do at the time. But it always really makes me sad that why can't you find a way to, you know, to enter into the struggle of it with the rest of us? Right. And and I and I hope we can we can articulate more what you're talking about what that it really is a struggle because I I recently had a, a discussion with a, a music business guy who said oh no I I never struggle with that and I really sort of scratched my head yeah. and wondered mm. <laughs> <laughs> that goes right up there with a the fellow who told me one time that in 40 years he'd never change his mind about any important topic I wow thought, well not sure he should be bragging to. about that you know <laughs> but you know you're right I I, I do think that that. You know, if there's any, if, if it's a silver lining, the struggle itself can shape you, can humble you. Mm-hmm. I remember being in a conversation, and I, I was raised in a religious home, being from Chicago, growing up Roman Catholic. You know, there wasn't anything about Christianity and Christ I didn't know, and I went to private parochial schools. And so, when people say, "Well, when did you become a Christian?" I don't like that question necessarily, mm-hmm. but I did come to my own personal faith later on in life through the, through the uh, relentless uh, pursuit of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and the good graces of my wife, who you know help me. But what I was going to tell you is being in conversation with somebody, a good friend of mine who is not there, 
and who went to divinity school and everything else and mm. now is basically mm. an agnostic. Uh, and you know how that happens. Yeah. That's a whole show. And they said, well, you know, I was talking about the Bible, the Word, and having to continue to, to let that grow you. And the comment was made to me, well, I'm glad it works for you. Mm. And I stopped sort of dead in my tracks, and I said to, to him, you know, I wish it did. I wish it did. It mm. does not work for me. It's never worked for me. It mm. confronts me. It convicts me. It shames me. It inspires me, but it, it doesn't work for me. And mm. I think the struggle is part of that process of yeah. God's, being God's poema. I mean, you know. well, and the, the narrow, shallow American way of looking at Jesus as a solution. Yeah. He's not a solution. He's a person. A quick fix. Yeah. And, and being in relationship with him is one of the hardest things I've yeah. ever done, too. Yeah. I, I mean, I see that. There's, there's, there's lessons uh, in microcosm about this subject you're talking about, which is a big subject, but mm-hmm. just being married. Mm-hmm. Uh, is hard, right? I mean, every day with the same person is hard. I've been married for over 15 years. So that that probably is a good example of, of, of a relationship worth investing in, mm-hmm. but certainly never comfortable, never working for you. You have to contribute. Mm-hmm. Well, Pat, thanks for that honest answer. Uh, I, really, I really appreciate that. And Michael, I'm thinking of maybe some younger people in the audience who are thinking maybe they'd like to do what you guys do. They yeah. needed to hear what you guys said yeah. just now. Yeah, and this needs to be an ongoing discussion. Have, right. have you back and we'll talk about it some I'd more. I love it. Yeah. I really appreciate being here. Yeah. Pat Flynn joining us in the studio with Michael Card. And we're thankful for listeners like you who join us each week. Here's a note we received from Keith who says, I seem to bump into your program as I'm doing some Saturday business and it always brings me to a screeching halt. I so enjoy everything about this program, the wonderful, praiseful music, the depth of the discussion and teaching, and the spirit-filled challenges. We hope you'll take a moment and send your comments as well as your questions about the Bible to studio at michaelcard.com. And then be sure to stop by our website, www.michaelcard.com, to get a better look at all that's going on with the ministry. If you need to listen again, go to the program archives at our radio page for the audio streaming of today's entire broadcast. And then see if you'd like to sign up to automatically have CD copies of each week's broadcast sent to you. Also, we have transcripts for those who are members of the community. You'll find all of this as well as a complete listing of Michael's helpful books and music CDs. It's all waiting for you when you stop by michaelcard.com. Our program engineer is Kenny Ferris. Our producer is Joe Carlson. I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Card. In the studio with Michael Card is a production of Community Broadcasting and the Moody Broadcasting Network.